0: Hey.
1: <laughs> hey, good morning! Welcome to Christ Community Church. Uh, I'm Chris. This is Viv. Can you say hey.
2: Hey.
1: Thanks a lot for joining us for our online service. Um, we're gonna do something a little different to start the service this week. Uh, me and some of the worship team have recorded a song that uh, is called what? Do you remember? Uh, Mighty were you. That's right. Um, and uh, we hope you guys uh, sing along and worship with us this morning.
2: Bye.
3: morning, C3. I um, just want to read a little prayer to you today from uh, Psalm 86. I feel like we need prayer today more than we do a lot of other things. So um, anyway, it's Psalm 86 if you want to turn to that in your Bible. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Grant my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God, Savior, servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you. O Lord, no deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God.
1: Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Gail, for the call to worship there. Uh, We're going to play a song. We uh, encourage you guys to sing along and worship with us this morning.
0: The splendor of the King clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice let all the earth rejoice and he wraps himself in light the darkness tries to hide trembles at his voice trembles at his voice and how great our God, sing with me, how great is our God? Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God? At age to age, He stands. Time is in His hands Beginning and the end Beginning and the end The Godhead three in one The Father, Spirit, Son The Lion and the Lamb The Lion and the Lamb How great is our God And all will see how great How great is our God is you you're the name above all names You are is our God, you're the name above all names, you are worthy of all praise, and my heart will see how great is our God. your God to Thee, how great Thou art! How great Thou art! 'Cause You're the name above all names. You are worthy. And my heart will sing, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And will we'll see how great, how great is our God. You guys sing along with us. How great. And how great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God.
4: So good morning, C3 family. The Lord be morning. with you and, and also with you. As well. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Zach and Chris and Justin for all sorts of wonderful mm. music this morning and uh, technological wonders. Thank you very much. Mm. Larry's going to preach this morning on our teach on uh, miracles. And so I wanted to read as we begin a short passage from the writer Wendell Berry. You may be familiar with him. And he uh, mentions and asks a question that you and I may have asked. You may have thought of this before. He, he questions the idea of why Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, um, if you know I'm still reading from this Linton uh, book. <laughs> when Jesus was on the cross, they uh, taunted him and said, "Why don't if you're the Son of God, why don't you just get down off the cross? Satan had tempted him the same way in the desert. If you're really the Son of God, do this. And Jesus didn't do that. He didn't do it in the desert with Satan, and he didn't do it that that day on the cross. And so Wendell Berry asks this question. He says, um, Christ did not descend from the cross except for to go into the grave. And why not otherwise? Wouldn't it have put fine comical expressions on the faces of the scribes and the chief priests and the soldiers if at that moment he had come down in power and glory? Why didn't he do it? I think it's a valuable question. Why hasn't he done it now or at any one of a thousand good times between then and now? I knew the answer, Wendell Berry says. I knew it a long time before I could admit it all the suffering of the world is in it. He didn't. He hasn't. Because from the moment he did, he would be the absolute tyrant of the world and we would be his slaves. Even those who hated him and hated one another and hated their own souls would have to believe in him then. From that moment, the possibility that we might be bound to him and he to us and us to one another by love forever would be ended. And so I thought, he must forbear to reveal his power and glory by presenting himself as himself and must be present only in the ordinary miracle of the existence of his creatures. Mm -hmm. Those who wish to see him (coughs) must see him in the poor, the hungry, mm-hmm. the hurt, the wordless creatures, and the groaning and travailing beautiful world. And Larry will talk to us about that today, about miracles and, um... Thank so you. that's it.
2: <laughs> Thank you, my friend. You're
4: welcome.
2: Morning. <laughs> um... Before Easter, a couple of weeks before Easter, I heard of several preachers that, uh, whether they were just wishing or declaring or prophesying, I don't know, but I heard, heard of several preachers who declared that God was going to supernaturally end the coronavirus either through a cure or through some other miraculous means so that the church could gather together uh, on Easter, Easter morning. And the week before Easter, <clears throat> I was uh, bombarded with text and emails from Christians who were saying, pray, let's pray, let's pray that God will end the coronavirus so that we can miraculously gather together, uh, Easter morning. And I I, I I take that to mean that there was this hope that if God did a miracle uh, by ending the, the virus before Easter and the church could gather together, that that somehow would have a profound impact upon uh, many, many people. The faith of the body of Christ would be strengthened, Uh, and the world would see the power of God displayed before their eyes, and many would turn to Christ in faith. Um, I thought about that a lot, um, a whole lot the last few weeks, and it it dawned on me in all of my pondering of that idea that uh, most people, and I would include most Christians, They really believe that the world would be a better place if the world was full of miracles. If more miracles took place, the world would be a better place. If God visibly demonstrated his power more, more people would believe in him. So my question for us today is, is that true? Is that biblical? Um, if God visibly demonstrated His power more, would more people believe in God? Isn't there a, a little part of you and a little part of me who either believes that or wants to believe that? And don't would, you
4: think that's an ancient thing? It happened in the at the cross. Yeah,
2: absolutely. That's what they wanted to see. Yeah, absolutely. Come on down. Yes, yes.
4: Yeah. And then um, we'll believe.
2: Would a miracle-rich world be a better place? Would a miracle-rich church be a better place? That's my question for us today to think about. Would a miracle-rich world be a better place? Would a miracle-rich church be a better place? Now let me just sort of give you some fundamental ideas underlying this whole deal, and that is the Bible presents God from Genesis to Revelation as a God of miracles. A God that continually did miracles from, like I said, from Genesis to Revelation. And the Gospels present Christ as a Messiah that did miracles continually. The miracles of God and the miracles of Jesus, they, they ran Uh, consistently and continually throughout the Bible and the Gospels. And they were presented in the Bible and in the Gospels in a way that it was intentional. They wanted the miracles of God and Jesus to astonish, to impress, to amaze. Um, And let me just say, in case you're wondering, um, I believe in the miracles of the Bible. I believe that they took place literally, historically, and that they were recorded accurately in the Scriptures. From the first two chapters of Genesis to the very end of Revelation, I believe that every miracle that took, that's recorded in the Bible literally and accurately and visibly and historically took place. Um, I believe that Jesus, every miracle that, Je- that was recorded about Jesus, it happened literally. Um, I, I believed I believe that those miracles in the Bible took place. I believe God still does miracles. I have witnessed in my life, in my 42 years of walking with Christ, I have witnessed God do miracles right in front of me. I've witnessed God do miracles in the lives of others. I've experienced miracles in my personal life. I wish we had time for me to give you some examples. Um, and I pray regularly for God to miraculously invade my life and the lives of those that I care about. And I think it's right. I think it's biblical. I think it's wise for us to pray for God's miraculous help in our lives. And that includes the ending of this pandemic. I think it is right and wise and biblical for us to cry out to God to miraculously end this deal. But I just want to talk to y'all today for just a few minutes about the Bible's general warning and Jesus' specific warning about an unhealthy emphasis and an unhealthy desire for God's miraculous uh, for displays of God's miracles. I want us to think just for a few minutes about four warnings that Jesus Himself gives us about an unhealthy desire for miracles and an unhealthy emphasis on miracles. So let me just share with these, share with you these four passages. Um, the first one's in Luke ten. Uh, the disciples have been sent out by Jesus on, I guess you could say, the first short-term mission trip, and they've been healing, casting out demons, doing all kinds of miracles, um, and they, it's, the Bible says in Luke 10 that the disciples returned joyfully to Jesus saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I've given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will harm you. But notice how he ends this response to the disciples' excitement. But don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Instead, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of things to discuss in that passage. But at least, if nothing else, that passage reminds us in the value system of Jesus that it's more important that we value and rejoice the relational and the eternal than we do the miraculous and the temporary. Second example, second warning that Jesus gives in John 4. Jesus went to Galilee. He had been in Jerusalem for the Passover celebration uh, in the spring, and now he's gone back up into Galilee, and there were a lot of people from Galilee that had gone down uh, to Jerusalem for the Passover, and they had witnessed Jesus do a lot of miracles. And so they've all gone back home, and then this is what John says in chapter 4. Jesus went back to Galilee, and the Galileans welcomed him, For they had been in Jerusalem for the Passover and had seen all of the miracles that Jesus had done there. And as Jesus traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana. That's the little village where earlier uh, Jesus had turned water into wine at that wedding. Uh, And a government official in nearby Capernaum had a very sick son. And he went to Cana and begged Jesus to come and heal his boy. And Jesus responded, he asked, will you people, uh, it's plural, the you is plural there, will you people, he's not speaking to the dad who wants help with his sick son, he's speaking to the crowd of people that had been in Jerusalem, witnessed his, his miracles, and now were excited that Jesus was gonna possibly do another miracle. He says, will you people never believe unless you see miraculous signs and wonders. You would think Jesus would be excited. Oh, I can do miracles. These people uh, are coming to me. They, they want me to do miracles. You would think that Jesus would brag on their excitement, but you can hear in his words, the frustration, the disappointment, the discouragement. Will you people never believe unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? I find it very significant. This takes place in the town of Capernaum. And a few months later, Matthew tells us in chapter 11 of his gospel that Jesus did more miracles in Capernaum than just about any other town in all of Israel. And Jesus says, in Matthew 11, it says that Jesus condemned Capernaum. Their future, it was cursed because even though he did all these miracles in Capernaum, They had no faith. They would not believe in him as the Messiah, as the Son of God. And Jesus says that the future of Capernaum was worse off than the the, uh, state of the cities in the Old Testament that God cursed and condemned. And then the third warning is in Luke 16. You know this story. It says there was a rich, Jesus tells this parable, there was a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus, And both of these men died. And the rich man begged, Father Abraham, please send Lazarus to my five brothers to warn them about this place of torment that I'm in. But Abraham said, Your brothers can read Moses and the prophets. Your brothers have the word of God. Uh, To warn, uh, I'm sorry, but the rich man said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone returns from the dead, they'll repent and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't heed the words of Moses and the prophets, they will not believe, even if someone rises from the dead. I want you to think about that. What if you had a loved one, a family member, who... Uh, did not believe in Jesus, had not accepted Him as their Savior, wouldn't it be awesome for one of your uh, uh, God-fearing, God Jesus-believing relatives who had, di- who had died to rise from the grave and show themselves to your unbelieving family members? But Jesus says, if they won't listen to and believe in the words of God, the Word of God, the Bible, Seeing somebody rise from the dead will not change them. I find it very significant in that parable about the rich man and Lazarus. Abraham's name is mentioned four times. I think Abraham's the main character in the parable. And I want to just suggest to you that it was not the birth of Isaac or the provision of the ram and the bush. That was really the miracle in Abraham's life. The real miracle in Abraham's life was his willingness to trust God, to follow God, to wait upon God, and to sacrifice everything he valued so that he could obey God. Hebrews 11 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Paul in Hebrews would suggest that that's the miracle of Abraham's life, his willingness to follow God and trust God, no matter what. And then the last warning that Jesus gives is more an example from his life that Sherry referred to earlier in Mark 15. In Mark 15, we find Jesus on the cross. And it says this. (coughs) Excuse me passerbyers heaped abuse on Jesus saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. And the religious leaders also mocked him saying, he saved others, but he can't save himself. Let the Christ come down from the cross so we may see and believe. This idea that if God delivered more, healed more, rescued more, provided more, that somehow those demonstrations of God's miraculous power would increase people's faith, would turn people to God. Well, if that's the case, then God obviously missed an incredible opportunity here. He dropped the ball. Because if he had just rescued Jesus from the cross, oh, the impact that that would have had on these passerbyers, on the Pharisees and the Sadducees watching, the Roman soldiers. But no, God declares that miracles will not create faith in the hearts and lives of people who won't believe his word. I want you to think about the people in that scenario, the Roman soldiers. Uh, In Luke, it says that Herod, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the Romans, all these people, the pastor, they all wanted miracles. They wanted signs and wonders. They wanted to see God's power and his deliverance. Is that the crowd that we want to be a part of? Are those the heroes of the story? Are those the people that we want? to emulate. These are people who didn't. The people who wanted the in this story, in the story of Jesus dying on the cross, the people in the story who wanted to see the signs and wonders and the miracles, they don't know Jesus. They don't love Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. Is that the crowd that I want to emulate and be a part of? I challenge us. Study the primary teachings of Jesus. In the Gospels, Jesus' major messages that reveal His heart and His passion and His primary mission Study the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, and His parables. Where in any of those primary teachings in the life and ministry of Jesus, where are the miracles, where's the emphasis on the miracles in His teachings for us? Oh, I want a word of knowledge, a miraculous word of knowledge. But the Bible says that I should study God's word and hide it in my heart and delight in it and meditate on it and trust it and obey it. And if I do that, the Bible would suggest you'll know what to do when you come to these decisions in life. I want God's miraculous provision, but the Bible says work hard. Save wisely. Be content with what you have. Be generous with people in need and work for treasures that do not perish. And if you do that, God's provision will be there. I want miraculous healing for myself and for my loved ones. But the Bible says, take care of your temple. Enjoy the life that you have today and be ready to die. And if you do those things, it'll be okay. God will take care of us. I want miraculous relationships. But the Bible says if you want miraculous... Oh, if God would just change my husband. Oh, if God would just change my wife. If God would just change my parents or my children. God says you want miraculous relationships? Demonstrate in front of these people that need God's miracle uh, in their life. Demonstrate forgiveness, sacrifice, forbearance, serve... Be wise in how you speak. Learn to be a good listener and share with them compassion and empathy and see what God does in their relationships. I want miraculous rescue from the problems and pains and needs of life. God says often it's during these times of the most dark and difficult situations where God has created those, allowed those, even caused those so that my life can declare to others that God's grace is sufficient. I repeat, I believe that God did miracles in the Bible, and I believe he still does them today, and I pray regularly for myself, my family, and for you regularly that God will do miracles in our lives. But I find it very curious that Jesus, Paul, Peter, and John, as far as I can remember, Never once did those people, Jesus, Peter, Paul, and John, and it sounds like a rock group, doesn't it? Uh, they never once used miracles to protect or rescue themselves from life's problems or pains. Jesus used miracles to give people a glimpse of what his father's kingdom was going to look like someday. A kingdom that's full of life and abundance and grace and wisdom and love and compassion. Not a world controlled by hate and selfishness and the devil. That's why he demonstrated miracles. That's why he used miracles to give people a glimpse of his father's future kingdom. The testimony, testimony in the Bible, I would suggest to us, is that miracles do not change lives. Miracles do not create faith. Miracles do not mature saints. Look at people in the Bible who witnessed miracles. Lot and his daughters. Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Israel in the desert. Korah, Achan, Samson, King Saul, Ahab on Mount Carmel. Jonah, Nebuchadnezzar, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Judas, Ananias and Sapphira. These are people who witnessed God's most amazing, incredible, visual expressions of his power and glory. And yet their lives were not changed.
4: Larry, to that point, um, the the great existentialist novelist uh, Dostoevsky, Fyodor Dostoevsky, says it just like that. Please. In his book, Brothers Karamazov, he says, in the realist Faith is not born from miracles, but miracles from faith. Hmm. Once the realist comes to believe, by realist he means like a secularist or a non-believer. Once the non-believer comes to believe, then precisely because of his realism, he must allow for miracles. So he's saying exactly the same thing from philosophy, that we don't come to faith through miracles, but when we come to faith then we allow for we miracles.
2: will witness miracles and see Christ. them yes, yes yes real biblical miracles in my opinion primarily were not the miracles of deliverance and provision but rather the miracles of faith and courage and love and endurance jesus did not invite us into a life of the miraculous a life that avoids the problems and pains and needs that we will face. Rather, Jesus invited us to follow Him into a life of brokenness, dying to self, and sacrificial living. I ask y'all in the email that I sent out or that Justin sent out for me on Friday to read Luke 21, where Jesus gives us uh, an, an, uh, a description of what the church is gonna look like in the last days, right before He comes back. And if you, re- if you read that or if you would read that, what that chapter declares very clearly is that the world is going to become open to the truth and the power of the gospel, not because they see God's children doing miracles, but because of God's people's ability to endure difficulties, horrors, persecutions, betrayal, and loss. What changes people's lives are not power encounters, but charity, generosity, compassion, forgiveness, selflessness, sacrifice, patience, and the love for enemies and the needy, the alienated, and the oppressed. The world will not come to God because of miracles, but because they see the love and the grace of God in our lives. It's what Jesus says in John 13. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have power and miracles in your life. No, because you have love for one another. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, if I spoke all the languages of men and angels and had the gift of prophecy and was able to grasp all of God's secret plans and all knowledge and could miraculously move mountains but I did not love others, I would be nothing but a lot of annoying noise. Instead of asking God to do miracles for us and through us, oh, that we would ask God to make us expressions of his miraculous, that he would help us become people who are able to miraculously love those that are difficult, that we would go to people that we hate and offer them forgiveness and compassion and kindness, oh, that we would serve others in ways that cost us dearly. It's those manifestations of God's visible love that really will change people and create faith and a desire to know and follow our Savior. I want to say again that I thank you for your faithful giving to our church. Um, The Lord is blessing us and providing every need that our little church family has. And I just want you to know that I'm very, very grateful. And I would like for us to celebrate the Lord's Supper now. So if you have some wine or juice and some bread and you'd like to celebrate that with us, please uh, gather those things together and celebrate our Lord's uh, Supper with us. I just want to remind you as we do that, that the Lord's Supper was celebrated the very first time in an atmosphere of tension, drama, fear, and uncertainty. That's the atmosphere that was around that table and filled that room. We don't celebrate the Lord's Supper because everything is good. We celebrate the Lord's Supper as an act of faith that everything someday is going to be good. Good. So let's celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Thank you. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we eat and we drink Because we believe. We believe that you came to this earth and lived a perfect life and ultimately by the divine edict and wisdom of God, you went in obedience to your Father to the cross and died so that we could have our sins forgiven and so that we could be adopted into your family. And we just want you to to know that we're grateful and we love you and we are thankful for your sacrifice for us. Amen. Um, Before we end and I turn it back over to Chris and Zach, I just wanted us to very quickly have a time of prayer um, for several different people. One, I want us to pray for the medical people, the people that are involved in giving care uh, to the people of our nation and our world who are sick. So I want you to pray with me for them, please. I want us to pray that God would raise up scientists who can actually discover a cure uh, for this virus. I, I hope that you'll pray with me about that. I want us to pray for Glenn Ford. Uh, uh, he's a, uh, an active part of our church family, and his mom passed away and went to be with Jesus this week so I want us to pray for Glenn and his family. I want us to pray for Michael and Terry, Shira, and their daughter, who is uh, actively in the process of adopting a little baby. Please pray that everything continues to go well and that they will find favor with those that make those decisions related to that adoption. I want us to pray for uh, Rob and Jenny Whartonby. They are in the process of uh, really seeing God's blessings Uh, and God's love being demonstrated in their lives in an amazing way. And I want us to pray uh, for Rob and Jenny and for Kiki, their daughter, right now. Please pray with me for them. And I also want us to pray that God will just give a special blessing uh, to uh, Carter Moore and to uh, Weldon, um, uh, what's Weldon's last name? Wine Miller. yeah, yeah. Uh, Weldon today. Uh, They had their birthdays this week. And uh, I just want us to pray that God will bless them. So pray with me one more time before we end. Lord Jesus, we do pray for those that give care to the sick of our nation. God, give them strength. Give them endurance. uh, Enable them to continue to do a powerful and effective job in being your hands and your face and your voice in the lives of those that are so sick. Father, raise up scientists and researchers, medical research people. Give them supernatural, miraculous wisdom to find a cure for this uh, pandemic. Father God, we do pray um, for Glenn, Floyd, I I just pray that your grace and peace would surround their family, that you would make them mindful uh, of, just give them, help them to be able to focus on the good memories of Glenn's mom. I just pray your peace in their lives. Thank you that she's with you now and she's not sick anymore. Lord, I pray for Michael and Terry and for Katie. Bless them. Bless that family. Order their steps. Help them to find favor and open doors in this adoption process. And Lord, please bless Rob and Jenny. I pray, God, that you would continue to uh, protect them, help them to find favor with those that are making significant decisions in their lives, and just bless them. And Father, I pray your blessings on Carter and on Weldon today. I pray, God, that thank you for giving them a new year of life, and may they live this year for you, and may they see your blessings in great abundance upon their lives in this new year that you've given them. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers, caring about our lives, and for all the good things that you're doing in our lives. For that, we are very grateful. Amen.
0: I couldn't manage The problem I laid on myself It just made it worse I laid them on somebody else So I finally surrendered it all Brought down in despair And I cried out for help I felt a warm comforter there And I came to believe In a power much higher than I And I came to believe That I needed help to get by In childlike faith I gave in and gave him a try And I came to believe In a power much higher than I So nothing worked out I handled it all on my own And each time I failed It made me feel twice as alone And I cried, Lord, there must be Sure and easier way For just can I be That a man should lose hope every day And I came to believe In a power much higher than I And I came to believe That I needed help to get by In childlike faith I gave in and gave Him a try And I came to believe In a power much higher than I. And I came to believe in a power much higher than I.
1: Well, thanks a lot for joining us again this week. Um, We invite you guys to come back next week right here. Facebook Live, uh, YouTube Live. Am I missing anything? I think that's all of them. Uh, thanks again you guys have a great week and we'll see you next uh, next Sunday <laughs> at 10:15. Thanks y'all